0: Welcome to Prepare to Care, the ARP podcast with resources and tools to support the millions of family caregivers who provide unpaid care to their loved ones. I'm Marie Pierre, your host for this podcast. Here on Prepare to Care podcast, we usually focus on the caregiver, Uh, helpful tips and resources to make your job easier, how you can relieve your stress, Uh, are there others who feel the same pressure you do? In fact, it's so easy to fall in the mindset that caregiving is a job, that there is someone to be managed and control, that sometimes we forget that our care recipients are actually part of the team. And those care recipients are people with their own feelings, their stresses, their desires. So, we have a very special guest today. Her name is Mary Jane Morgan. And um, Mary Jane agreed to come to the podcast to share her story as someone who has been a care recipient for some time. Um, She is going to tell us what we can learn by putting ourselves in the shoes of someone who is receiving care and how we can see ourselves as part of a care team instead of just people receiving or giving care. So if you think only caregivers have something useful to share about caregiving, I'm encouraging you to think again. Coming up on prepare to care. Mary Jane, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Marie Pierre. So, um, Mary Jane, you and I have been—I've uh, known each other for a while, right? Yes, And, we and have. that's how I invited you to the podcast. And you have been a—you um, have a long-term illness. Mm-hmm. Can you share a little bit about that? Sure.
1: I was diagnosed with breast cancer in 1992 when I was 43 years old. And I went to MD Anderson and got uh, treated there. I had uh, six rounds of one chemotherapy, four rounds of another chemotherapy, and then six weeks of radiation and then was fine for five years, got to my five-year birthday and had a great celebration with our children. We have five children. And six months after that uh, on a routine chest x-ray, they found a lesion in my right lung. We did a biopsy and it was metastatic breast cancer. We took out that lesion and then we went to, on a drug called tamoxifen, And then I went for 16 years with no evidence of disease. And in December of 2013, again on a routine chest x-ray, there was a spot on my lung that was metastatic breast cancer. And they did a complete uh, scan. And I also had disease in my liver. And on the day that I found out about all of that, my oncologist that I had been with for 24 years also told me he was retiring. So it was a really
0: bummer day. It was a really, Yeah, so you have lived with, with cancer, all or, or the, the potential for cancer for like 20 plus years? That's correct. Right? So let's go back to that first diagnosis. You were 43. Mm-hmm chemotherapy, radiation, that must have been rough. Yes, it was. Was that your first time that you were being a care recipient? Were you able to function back then? Um,
1: At a very reduced level. Um, We had five kids at home, and of course, they had all the extracurricular activities, the soccer, the basketball, the student council meetings and all. And we had another family in our school that, uh, another large family uh, who had 10 children. And so a lot of our children uh, did some of the same things. And we had worked out a transportation schedule. And that woman came to my house after she found out about the diagnosis. She brought us supper that night, and she said, Mary Jane, don't worry about any of the transportation. I will take care of all of the transportation. And that was the first time I really had to accept
0: that I was worthy of receiving help. So here's an interesting comment, being worthy of receiving help. Mm-hmm. Because as women, like, we're supposed to care for yeah. others, right? The kids, the transportation, the job, on and on and on, suddenly we can't do it. Yeah. yeah. So was there like, a, what was the trajectory from, oh my God, how am I doing all of this, to letting go and I'm worthy of receiving help, you know? How do you get from point A to point B? Uh, Some days better
1: than others, (laughs) that uh, I had a very supportive husband and family. I owned my own business at the time, and uh, I knew I was going to have surgery, and I had some things to take care of at the business to be able to go. Um, Just acknowledging the limitations of my body. I'm normally a woman that goes at about 200%. And now I was at a woman that was lucky to get to 70% most days.
0: Okay. And um, and, and so now this is like the third round, right? Yes. For cancer. Yes. Um, are you finding yourself at time being in the care recipient position? Very much so. Very much so. Um,
1: with this current metastasis from 2013, I've tried six different drugs that... All have quit working after a while, and now I'm on a phase one clinical trial. And I'm at a very depleted uh, fatigue level most of the time. And I still work uh, two days a week, and I also have a a client base that I see. Uh, But I don't see as many. When my body says it's tired, it's tired. My husband is a night person and likes to stay up till 10 or 11. I'm on
0: my way to bed at 8.30 or 9. So I think that you're making an important point here is even though you're a care recipient, that's part of your life, Mm -hmm. but you're also still working which yes. is not unusual for, for a lot of people with long-term illness yes. um, and working literally two jobs. You have one job that's two days a week and you have your own uh, uh, clients that you see. Um, in terms of the care that, that you receive, in, in terms of being a care recipient, there, there's rest, but are there other things that your family does for you? Or who, who does things for you when you're like, you know, it's too much? Well, how it comes up
1: for me is when our family, four of our grown children live here in Houston and we used to be ready to babysit at the drop of a hat. And now when they call, I have to be conscious of what else. Is it a day that I'm gonna be on the trial drugs? If so, I can't, I can't take on that extra responsibility and I have to tell them no which is hard. And I always close those conversations with, please call again. Hmm. I don't want them to not call saying, oh, mom is sick.
0: Right, so, so there's a shift in role. Yes. From, I used to be able to do all of these things in you know, only some of the time, but, but what I'm hearing is from the people who is receiving the care, you don't want to be written off. That's correct. You're like, please come call again. You know, maybe yes. tomorrow I have another good day. Yes. So I think you 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 bringing something very interesting, which is because someone is ill, mm-hmm. it's not necessarily that they're ill all the time in the same way. Right. And there's there could be a stereotype if we think that way. Mm-hmm. I have
1: a funny story to tell you, people that know about my breast cancer metastasis, they haven't seen me for a while, and when they see me they say, oh, you look so well, and I say to myself, what's the picture they have of somebody that's got metastatic breast cancer, you know, and I have learned to say thank you, not what did you think? I'm dying. Right.
0: <laughs> because it's scary, right? We yes. think, oh, you, I mean, I remember you being diagnosed, and I'm thinking, I was in tears. I thought yeah. you were going to die right away, yep. you know, and thank God none of this has happened. Yeah. Um, um, so, in the, um, when you say um, to, to your children to call you back, mm-hmm. it, it sounds like you've learned to communicate in a different way. Tell us more about this. I have. I've learned to ask for what I want
1: and what I need to happen. Um, This happens not only with our family, but also in the medical field with that. When something doesn't go right for me at the clinic, uh, I usually ask who the manager is and I write a letter. I can't, I don't think of verbal communication on the day of. First of all, I'm upset and I want to be clear and calm when I have that conversation. With my children, there's times I do want them. There's some Saturday mornings I wake up and I'm ready for my walk and I call and say, is Caroline or Audrey interested to take the walk with me? I'll drive to their neighborhood and do the walk. I never did things like that before taking advantage of the energy I do have I'm not sure I answered your question no you did
0: I think you brought a very interesting point regarding okay so this podcast is about caregivers but a lot of those caregivers are medical professionals nurses lab technicians all kinds of people Mm -hmm. that are giving you care day in and day out, I yes, guess, yeah. and suddenly you have to deal with the multiplicity of caregivers, not just your husband or your mm-hmm. children, mm-hmm. and and finding your voice as a patient is a very important part of the equation. Exactly. So for you, it's writing letters or emails to the appropriate person. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I I
1: learned many years ago that I could complain to my family, to neighbors, to whatever. But if I didn't talk to the person who could make the change and I work very hard to be kind and uh, persistent in my communication, I try not to let my anger, which I was full of the day it happened, uh, be the
0: way that the letter sounds. That that is a very interesting point. I think that we have not even talked about is all of the frustrations uh, about the you know the, the caregivers, and I think you're right that, that you can you can let the anger and you can gripe to somebody, but but you like you're the like the war, road warrior of cancer care, <laughs> twenty plus years, right? You're like I got this down <laughs> pat. You've learned to pinpoint the right person, which I think is a very important point. For, for caregivers who are helping people who can't do that for themselves, or for people who want to help themselves, right. that's a very interesting point. Um, tell us a little bit about. Okay, so I remember two thousand thirteen because by that time I knew you and mm-hmm. we we were good friends. You made the announcement that you you know the cancer had recurred, and there's this panic, mm-hmm. right, in 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 among your friends, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. among your family. How does that feel from your point of view?
1: I was really grateful for the support I have. In addition to my family, I also have a group of women that I meet with once every two weeks uh, on a Wednesday evening. And it's a group of confidentiality. And I came with some really bad news. And I cried a lot that night. And they were able to hear me to hold me, give me hugs. They were able to, they didn't tell me, well, have you tried this? They didn't try to fix me. And that group has been a real strong support for me. There's a lot of weeks I come in happy and great and that. but when I've had disappointing news or a drug isn't working and I've got to move to another one, they're able to hear me and be with me and I think that's what any care recipient wants if they want advice they will ask for it but when they want love and support and
0: you hear me that was what was valuable to me that was a really important part I think that um again you're bringing a very good point so many of us feel that we we meet somebody with an illness and we want to talk about i don't know what the neighbor or or wilmar you know um (laughs) you know (laughs) we we want to help we want to cure we want to make it disappear and and You're bringing a very interesting point that the person who is the care recipient sometimes just want to be heard, have those feelings, and sometimes has those feelings away from the family. That's correct. So tell us more about that. Well,
1: I I hold a belief that uh, my cancer impacts my children uh, and my husband. My husband and I have talked quite a bit about if my death should come before his. With my children, not so much even though they're grown. Um, With the group of women, I can share all of that. They can be sad with me. They can have tears come down and they know that I'll be present as long as I can.
0: So it's important for people who are in your situation to perhaps have an outlet where they can bring things up that are not, you know, they would kind of like freak out the family, I think, if you brought it up with them, right? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. because you want to share with your family maybe some happy moments because you sure. need that. Yeah. And, and then it's nice to have another place to, to do that. So you, you have a particular group of, of friends that, uh-huh. you, you can, you know, that you meet regularly that you can share with. Um, what would you recommend to people who may not have that social circle? Are there resources out there that are helpful? Um, Two suggestions come to mind.
1: One is uh, to begin their own circle if they've got two or three friends that know about it. My circle happened to have begun from uh, a weekend I did 12 years ago called Woman Within. And this was in that no evidence of disease time. But it gave me a lot of skills and it gave me connection to women that weren't trying to fix me. And um, the woman within organization holds weekends throughout the United States and here in Houston. And that was my resource. That's how I got started in that.
0: Have you heard of, like, those support groups that are put together, like, regarding particular illness? So, have you ever belonged to any yes, of those groups? Yes, I have.
1: I belong to a breast cancer support group at the Rose um, for... many years in the beginning, uh, 23 years ago, and as my disease progressed, they also started a um, support group for metastatic disease. And I went there once or twice, but I found this group of women that I'm currently meeting with. It wasn't so cancer-focused. I see. It was, they were there to support me when I needed
0: it, but there's other things that still go on in my life that's why I keep hearing this recurring theme is that even though you're a care recipient for for a serious illness Uh there's lots of other things going on in your life and to not forget that part too Right. Right. that what I'm hearing is the the care for your family you want it in a form of joy sometimes right right I do so um, Mary Jane um, thank you so much for speaking to us today if there's one thing that you would want our listeners to take away today, what would that be?
1: I would say that any interaction that the care recipient wants to speak, that she or he find a place to do it when they are not really triggered or full of emotion and for the person that they're speaking with to know that calmness and, and uh, perseverance in listening are of great, great value. They don't want to be told what to do next. And that person may have some anger, may have some,
0: and that may need to come
1: out, yet in terms of the care recipient, when he or she asks for a time to speak. Or maybe the caregiver says, I want to ask you about something. I saw you at church on Sunday and how bright you were. Would you like to spend more time there? Are there some people there? Just to have the conversation in a calm, what I call centered place instead of when the emotions are so high.
0: All right. Well, thank you so much, Mary Jane. You're um, so, um, Mary Jane, by the way, um, as as gen- generously offered, um, if any of our listeners would like to ask her some questions, you can go to the podcast webpage, leave a comment, and we will um, make sure Mary Jane gets it and gets in touch with you. She has she's like the wa- road warrior of cancer. <laughs> Twenty plus years of experience. She's done it all, and she's willing to help others. Um, as always, if you thought this podcast was helpful, or if you have friends or family who are new to caregiving, please invite them to p- follow the Prepare to Care podcast. We are on iTunes, SoundCloud, or at, on the ARP website, which is www.aarp.org slash Houston PTC. Also, if you have a moment, take our Prepare to Care podcast survey. Um, It will help us improve future episodes. Um, And you can also find our caregiving, planning, and local resources on the website. And that will greatly help you and your loved ones. Thanks for listening. And as always, thanks for caring.